0: Coming up on today's show, CD Projekt Red is making a lot more games, Overwatch 2 is on the struggle bus, and I played Gotham Knights and have thoughts about it. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Andrea Renee, joined in studio by a special guest. Miss Emily Jacobson is here. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to get you back in the studio. Of course, the creative producer over at X-Play on G4, if you guys haven't been checking it out. Life is. Well, I just okay, um, you know, that might be a tad <laughs> on the early side, just a little bit on the early side, but you celebrate however you want to celebrate. Thank you. We all need a little bit more joy in this life, I think. So if wearing Halloween stuff in July is it, you do you, girl. Thank you. I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Agopolis, Faris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. If you want to help support What's Good Games, you can do so at patreon.com what's good games. And thank 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 you to our new podcast reviewers. We always like to say, if you don't have any dollars to throw our way, giving us a few minutes of your time is a great thing. And I have this really fun review from Jordan Grazy? Grizzy don't really know how to say your name Jordan but I really love what you wrote they wrote the gaming world can seem pretty cis white angry man true that and this show brings back the beauty of gaming along with a cornucopia of guest hosts like Emily it's not just about specs and leaks and awards though very thorough when it is but it's also very socially aware thoughtful and playful thank you ladies Well thank you Jordan for taking the time to write that lovely review we really appreciate it today's show is also brought to you by MeUndies and HelloFresh but I'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. We have some interesting news to talk about today, Emily. I was thinking about starting off with some of the older stuff, but then I was like, no, let's just dive right into this CD Projekt Red announcement that happened earlier this week. I am wearing my Witcher dress in celebration of the announcement that yes, more Witcher is indeed coming and a
1: lot of it. Oh my gosh, yes.
0: I was really curious as to why they decided to announce such a long pipeline of content, knowing that this could very well change two, three years down the line. Because it feels like, is like a decade's worth of content. So if you missed the announcement, on Tuesday, CD Projekt Red, I should say, laid out an extremely ambitious development plan as written by Polygon, stretching far into the future, including confirmation of no less than six new games, in addition to the new Witcher game it had already announced, to further Witcher sequels to- which are spin-offs and a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077. Clearly, the Steam charts have been doing very well for Cyberpunk since they have re-released. Plus, I should mention the creation of an entirely third original series, currently in early conceptual stages. So, you know, don't put too many eggs in that basket. CD Projekt wisely put no firm timeline on any of this, but from what the studio said, it is possible to put the projects in a rough release order and to explain where the resources to make them will comfortable from. Now I'm not going to go through all of the details here, but Emily, when you saw this graphic
1: that they revealed, what was the first thing you thought? Wow. Like you said, it was such a major announcement. All these Witcher games. I think I was most surprised by a sequel to Cyberpunk. I thought for sure it'd be like we're going to do our best with Cyberpunk. We're going to improve it as we go. We're going to release the DLC. We're going to keep kind of adding a few content here and there, but then we're just going to go back to Witcher. So seeing them really, really further commit to Cyberpunk was very, very surprising, but also not surprising at the same time since with the release of Edge Runners, that has helped revitalize so much love and so much engagement in the series. It was absolutely wild. I am one of those people. Am I replaying Cyberpunk right now? Yes, because I loved Edge Runners. And I think a big thing to think about, too, is like you said, a lot of this can change. These are all just kind of code names for games, too. A lot of this can change down the line. Who knows what's going to happen? I think CD Projekt realizes that they need to do some really good PR and press, and why not jump on the current kind of uphill cyberpunk train and so just be like hey you, you like this show you're playing our games here's what else we're doing because like you said we've known we're going to get this new witcher which a lot of people have been speculating from the mask in the snow what's the witcher school who's it going to be is siri going to be our lead and i think for me the two big things i really really hope cd project red does is they give realistic release dates or they give tentative release dates and that they really really try to eliminate crunch culture because that is something I think we want to see across the industry just for all the wonderful people out there who work so hard to make these games and just knowing kind of Cyberpunk 2077's kind of tumultuous development just really wanting to protect their developers and giving them the best chance they have to make such a wonderful game.
0: Well said. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It's really interesting the resurgence in Cyberpunk because they announced it's now. Hit 20 million units sold, helped, of course, as you mentioned, by the success of the Netflix anime series that's out now. And even when they were struggling amid the tumultuous release of Cyberpunk originally still sold 13 million copies of that game. And I think when we reported on how many people actually submitted for refunds, it was just a a fraction of the people who actually purchased the game, which makes sense. The vast majority of people, I think, were pretty happy, particularly PC users. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of console players who were disappointed, but trusted that CD Projekt Red was going to make it right. And I think in the end, it's pretty universally agreed that the new versions for PS5 and Xbox Series yes. X,
1: yes. I will say,
0: <laughs> definitely improved significantly. Now, the last-gen console versions, on the other hand, you probably should ask for a
1: refund if you haven't, because don't think those are getting any better no, Ever. especially with the, my friend was really, really excited because she's been wanting to get into Cyberpunk, but she only has a PS4. And then she saw the trailer for the new DLC that's coming out next year. And she was like, I'm so excited when I get to play this. And I was like, oh, I've got some bad news that DLC is only coming to PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Right. So it's always played great. on. I've only played it on the PS5. It's played even the original, like when it first at launched, played pretty well for me because I was playing on a PS5 in the, even though it was the PS4 version. But yeah, it's like, oh, it's we know we saw with Dragon Age Inquisition too, where you have these companies really trying to hit the edge of the console releases. So you're trying to hit in this party because, you know, most people have these old consoles You're trying to hit the new party because that's where the next gen tech is. And that's the systems you've been developing in. And it's walking that very, very thin tightrope.
0: Yeah, I think we are seeing from developers that they're struggling to be cross-gen. And I think we're probably, if not a year, then maybe two years max away from fully leaving the last gen behind and going fully into to Gen 9. At least I hope for the developer's sake, because yes. <laughs> trying to compete with that old technology with what the new stuff can do is just, as you mentioned, a tough order, to say the least. Mm -hmm. So a little news that I wanted to include that was technically from last week, but we weren't able to get in the show. Also, you may be asking yourself, hey, Andrea, why at this point of the show are you finally calling out that your cohorts, Brittany Brombacher and Rhianna Manuel Pena, are not hosting the show with you? (laughs) Well, they are both out of town this week, but don't worry, they'll be back next week and we'll be back together and everything will be right. But they missed the opportunity to cover... Some pretty huge news in the gaming world, which was Stadia is going to be shutting down permanently in January 2023. Google announced they will be issuing refunds for all hardware and software purchases. So the write-up that I pulled comes from Game Informer and they write that you won't be able to access Stadia services in any way after January 18th, 2023. Your games and hardware is eligible for refunds for all Stadia hardware purchases, Stadia controllers, founders' editions, premium editions, and play and watch with Google TV packages through the Stadia store, according to the FAQ posted by Google. It seems like the only aspect of Stadia that isn't eligible for refund, of course, is the Stadia Pro subscriptions, which makes sense. You've been using it. You don't get a refunded. That's not the way that works. The company said that they intend to have the majority of refunds processed by the January 18th shutdown date. So I was so disappointed this news i think we all on the industry side saw the writing on the wall with this i talked about my speculation that it's concerning that google frequently puts a lot of money into cool new stuff and then is like actually you know we don't want to continue this anymore and we're done just you know close it up close up shop Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of us in the gaming industry were worried that this was going to run that course and turns out it did what do you think happened here? Do you think Stadia was just ahead of its
1: time? Or do you think it was just poorly executed? Or maybe both? I think a combination of both. And I think part of it has to do with the Xbox Game Pass. Xbox Game Pass is one of the best services on the market right now. Even Sony is going to have a hard time competing with that puppy. Like, so you already have something that's available on PC and available on consoles. And then, it's so tough. Like you said, it's so heartbreaking because we want to see a lot of competitors. We want to see a lot of options in the gaming industry. It's always so heartbreaking when we see like a giant like this kind of go down because we know it's affecting jobs. We know it's affecting developers. We know it's kind of, once again, making that market a little bit smaller. And now mm-hmm. all eyes are on Amazon, I feel. Luna, you the think Luna. Luna's next? I think, I mean, Amazon's been really, really trying with their game studios, too, and Luna. I think it's interesting that they have both. I think having both going for them is really, really strong. And I really, really want the Luna to succeed. It just, it's so tough, too, because I, I when that news broke, I feel like a lot of the developers who were developing specifically for the Stadia were finding out at that time as well. Oh. And that was very mm. tough to see online, too.
0: Well, I think... The silver lining for devs, at least, is that they have contracts to help mm-hmm. cover their costs up until that point that Google will be able to and have to honor, right? So it's not like Google's not going to be able to pay those bills. They've got lots of money. But I think what's really disappointing, much like the sunsetting of the Xbox Connect shout out to the Connect. Yes, is that it's a really <laughs> cool piece of technology mm-hmm. that is just not being implemented by the mass majority of gamers. And we live in a world where if it's not profitable, it's gotta go. And that's really sad that there's this really cool technology being developed that was in research and development for years and clearly cost Google hundreds of millions of dollars. And now it's just done. I know that they talked about using the technology from a licensing side on Mm -hmm. the back end, essentially like the Azure Cloud Farms that Microsoft has for its cloud gaming and other cloud services that it offers. And Amazon has through some of their web services as well. And I hope that the technology sticks around because I think once there's a huge upgrade to the ISP infrastructure and the telecommunications, particularly here in the United States, we're like woefully behind a lot of other parts of the world, that a service like Stadia could be really incredible because I saw the magic of what Stadia could be when it launched I remember booting up Destiny 2 Mm -hmm. and because I had cross progression through my Bungie account I literally turned it on and just started playing instantaneously and that just doesn't happen, even when I'm playing on my PlayStation, I have so many updates to install, and then you have to wait for the files to copy, and then you have to get the loading done. And obviously, with this new generation, loading's much faster, but it wasn't the magical wizardry that Stadia yeah. was. And I think the real trouble is that not enough people have access to the incredible high speed internet that you need to get Stadia to run all the time. mm. So they also suffered from a library problem and a bit of a marketing problem trying to get people to understand what it is, which I think Luna also suffers from. Yes. But I hope that Stadia's technology doesn't die and that we see it come back
1: in the future. I think you're 100% right. I think we will, especially like you said, once the US or yeah, once North America kind of catches up in kind of our digital space with the rest of the world. Because like you said, it's an incredible piece of technology. If not revived by Google, hopefully it can be revived by another party, another company that sees the worth in that technology and says, great, Google Stadia walked so that this next iteration could run. Right.
0: And maybe even Google themselves will be like, well, we've already invested... Might as well not let all of that go down the drain. Or we'll use it for a tax (laughs) write-off. Who can say what these companies are up to these days? Before we continue on with the news, I want to let you know that this week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Me Undies. Let me tell you a story about a guy who once wore only Me Undies underwear because it felt like he was wearing nothing at all. Then one spooky night, he saw a shadowy figure peer in his home he screamed what do you want from me the figure stepped out of the shadows and it was just his roommate jeff jeff said hey man you really need to wear underwear in their shared living spaces gross moral of the story when you wear undies that are so comfortable and it feels like you have nothing on Double check that you actually have something on. Get your own super comfy undies with 20% off and free shipping with your first Me Undies purchase. We've been big fans of Me Undies here at What's Good Games for quite some time, and boy oh boy was I excited to pull out my Halloween cat romper that I got last year. They have all kinds of fun new prints for Halloween this season, and who knows, maybe you could just wear underwear for Halloween. It's 2022; anything is possible. And like I mentioned, spooky season is here, and their collection is. Scary soft, you guys. They have limited edition prints like Jack Attack. Nobody like you, and spell it out. So grab undies, socks, bralettes, and more made from their feels like you have nothing on a micromodal fabric. And if you need a last-minute costume, be lazy. You know you want to. Transform into a spooky skeleton with their loungewear set, Lazy Bones. Match with your boo or your fur baby in sizes from extra small to 4XL to make it your softest Halloween ever. The scary soft hype is real, you guys. And if you're not impressed with me undies, your first pair is on us. Well, not us at What's Good. It's on MeUndies, to be clear. And that's a promise from them. To get 20% off your first order and free standard shipping on U.S. orders, go to MeUndies.com slash WGG. That's MeUndies.com slash WGG so they know What's Good Games sent you.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: Let's continue on with the news, shall we, Emily? So, some bad tidings for poor Overwatch 2 over the last week. Man, you would think they were just having the opening weekend blues like almost every multiplayer game does, but Mm -hmm. no, it just keeps going. Why people want to keep sending them DDoS attacks? I don't know, maybe because it's Blizzard? Are PC gamers just angry all the time? I think so.
1: (laughs) Have you been playing at all, or have you been, like, steering clear? We at X-Play have had a hard time even getting on. One of our producers, Joe Girado, he started at 10.40 a.m. today, trying to get on to play Overwatch 2 just to give it a whirl. And he kept refreshing, and it would be like, great, you're behind 500 people, you're behind 700 people, you're behind 2,000 people. And then it'd be like, unexpected server issue, please refresh. And just just nonstop notifications all day. We're making a joke like, we gotta put a time-lapse camera up, <laughs> just record, like, what? Is happening because so many people just want to get on and play this game and see what's different. I think that's been the big kind of thing everyone's been wanting for. They totally just like
0: turned it off. They
1: did. I think
0: we we knew was coming, but we weren't fully aware of what the implication of that was because it's so rare. That games do this with the launch of a new game incoming. Like I
1: think about how long it took Bungie to turn off Destiny, Mm-hmm. Like, you Vanilla need, like, Destiny. <laughs> that that almost like that transitional period, that weeping transitional period. Yeah. Especially like it'd be interesting to see what would have happened had they left the original Overwatch servers on. With,
0: help offload with, some of the traffic. Exactly. Keep some people playing
1: the original. Mm-hmm. You probably have people being like, "Great, well I can't get on this one right now. Okay, I'm just going to go brush up my skills in OG Overwatch for a while and see if that would have alleviated." traffic. And then, of course, yes, the DDoS attacks. So that was the big news, of course. is not just that they had some server woes, which I think is to be
0: expected, but PC Gamer writes that the launch on Tuesday has been less of a launch and more of a line. Thousands of players including a few at their outlet PC Gamer have been stuck in a lengthy logging queue only to run to a connection error after making it to the menu as Emily just described. So Blizzard president Mike Ybar tweeted this week that this isn't just the result of too many players trying to get in. It's currently suffering a DDoS attack and this is not just a single incident. There has been multiple incidents through the week and that is causing a lot of the drop connection issues this adidas in case people listening and watching aren't familiar is a distributed denial of service attacks direct large amounts of internet traffic to specific servers thus overwhelming them with more connections than they can keep up with and they of course are dealing with trying to fix it So that's a bummer, especially for the many developers who worked many long hours trying to get this game across the threshold
1: and now have to deal with people being jerks on the internet. Mm -hmm. And it's like, DDoS attacks are pretty common. There's been a few that's happened even in 2021. Square Enix experienced a DDoS attack. I used to work at an old web-based company. We used to get DDoS attacks on our servers and kind of our online programs as well. Unfortunately, there are just, like you said, there's just negative people out there who say, I'm just going to do this. I feel like doing this today. And it's tough because we want to support the wonderful, hardworking people who deserve the support for making this next iteration of Overwatch you've put a lot of time and energy into recrafting and re-upgrading this game but yeah it's just like it's so tough we're on top of lines and on top of people wanting to play Mm it there's also a group of folks who are like no 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 (laughs) Mm -mm." i'm here to just fuck with you (laughs) yes it's like you know what find something better to do with your life please direct
0: that energy towards enriching someone's life maybe making the world a better place that would be really excellent if you could do that thanks just a request from me thumbs up. But I hope to be able to check it out myself. There was a lengthy beta period. So hopefully other people who are interested in it were able to check it out as well. And we'll give you guys an update on where the game is doing, or how the game is doing, I should say, next week on the show when, you know, more people have actually gotten the opportunity to play it. Who was your original Overwatch main? You know, I jumped around quite a bit. I didn't have a main, gosh, You know, I can't even say because it's been admittedly a couple of years since I played last Mm -hmm. because as fans of this show know, I kind of sprinkle my time in other multiplayer games. And when Overwatch was really big, I was like very hardcore into Rainbow Six Mm -hmm. and Rainbow Six, thankfully, is still going and is still a lot of fun. But it was like that game required so much knowledge and precision of the operators that I didn't really have enough time to devote to learning Overwatch. And every time I would jump in to play, it felt like I would just get my ass handed to me and I would get sad and frustrated and be like, I clearly just need to practice more and then it's like, well, now
1: I have to split my time between
0: Destiny and Overwatch and Rainbow.
1: and. Well, it's also on your team, too. It was not yes. just you were not alone in that battle. It was your team not supporting you.
0: That's, that's fair. <laughs> I typically would try to get a group of friends together mm-hmm. to play, though I did solo queue, you know. A, a good amount of times. And sometimes, like you said, you get paired up
1: with good people and sometimes you don't. It's like, please come back. Please, why are you going off alone? Why? Nope, this is a team game. Please, this is a team game. Stop soloing out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> did you have a main? I did. I mained Diva. I mained Torbjorn a very, very random Love main, it. and Zenyatta. Those were my three that I would I'd do a support if I needed it, I'd be a tank if we needed it, and then I'd be Torbjorn if I just wanted to have fun.
0: Oh, you get a good roster. Yeah. Yeah, very well-rounded. Well, I look forward to having you back on the show to talk about Overwatch 2 someday when, you know, things are going better for them, so... Go with God. Hopefully, you guys will do not get stressed. Don't get stressed. It's just all part of the process. Speaking of Blizzard and Activision Blizzard, Xbox launched a website earlier this week to show the benefits of its impending Activision Blizzard buyout. So this was one of the weirder stories that I saw this week. And I was like, this is something that in all of my years of covering video games media, I don't recall ever seeing a company... Really trying to stump for an acquisition deal Mm -hmm. that's under scrutiny. And maybe it's just me being a little jaded that, oh, so when was a deal that actually got turned over? Because I can't recall one. They always get approved, but maybe they're struggling with legislators to get this deal approved, you know, in their behind closed door meetings that they're having. So they're like, we need some public media around why this deal is good for everybody. And enter in a website outlining <laughs> their vision for gaming and what it claims are the benefits of the in case you forgot, $68.7 billion deal for players, game developers, and the gaming industry as a whole. And according to the website, Xbox says that it will lead more games on more devices, more choices when it comes to purchasing games, and more variety for mobile gamers. And I think it's really interesting that this website came about because earlier this week, I had the pleasure of attending a breakfast with Rihanna. Mm -hmm. That Variety, which is an industry trade publication for Hollywood folks, if you guys haven't heard of it. They did some gaming coverage, but they don't do a lot. But they held this breakfast for what they called the Leaders in Gaming and Entertainment to talk about how gaming and entertainment have been merging slash crossing over with each other recently. Riot was the keynote, obviously talking about the synergy for your buzzword between League of Legends and Arcane, Mm -hmm. the really popular Netflix series, which was fantastic. And then there was a company called Pixel United, who was the presenting sponsor, and the CEO of that company was there talking about this acquisition and I thought it was really interesting hearing him talk about it because Pixel United is a mobile games company that is one of the biggest in the world and they have a bunch of games and they were talking about how they didn't think that King being part of the acquisition was really why Microsoft was looking at Activision Blizzard and I thought that was interesting because that to me was would have seen from the outside as the reason why Xbox would want to do this deal but he was trying to make an argument that he thinks that they did it because of all of the live service integrations that are within the Activision
1: mm-hmm. B- Blizzard
0: umbrella, and I was like, "Hmm, interesting." But what were your thoughts when this website came out? Were you like, "This is ridiculous and silly,"
1: or you were like, eh, "Actually, not bad, kind of convincing." Uh, a little bit of both. It's definitely like, oh, you're being, your eyes on you by the European Trade Commission. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, uh, and like, yes, exactly. It's, it's just like, this is high, this is my PowerPoint of why we should make this acquisition <laughs> happen and why the deal should go through. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think the thing that really stuck out to me in a good sense was, it, I believe it was on like the green slide that was like Xbox commitment to gamers, Xbox commitment to developers, and Xbox commitment to like, I think, community. And a big thing they were pushing on that graph traffic. From what I recall, was essentially like really encouraging safe, healthy workplace environments. Cause as we all know, that is kind of what has been cycling around Activision Blizzard for a long time now. Yes. And if the acquisition by Microsoft helps make that company healthier, helps protect workers, helps support them. Like I'm a huge fan of all the folks at Obsidian. I love them to pieces. They are such, from my stance, they are such a healthy company. I've heard nothing but joy, especially like getting to talk with some of the developers of Grounded and just hearing how much of a wonderful time just developing that was, how supported they were. And I know that that is also internally within their control as well as Microsoft. But if Microsoft can help bring in folks that will bring that care, bring that love, bring that support to a company where a lot of wonderful people work. Yes. There, are, there are great people at Blizzard. I think that is would be a very, very positive side of the acquisition. Absolutely. I agree
0: with you. That was the first thing I thought when the announcement happened, other than holy shit, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I know so many people that work internally at Xbox that always talk about their positive experiences there. And we've talked frequently on this show about how we think that Phil Spencer, as the you know CEO of Microsoft Gaming now, really is a leader that we can look up to and say hey he is clearly leading this team in a positive good direction talking about accessibility and inclusivity and they talked last week on the show about the project amplify that xbox launched you know for Mm -hmm. bringing more black voices into the video game industry and they are doing all the right things and i think it's important that they keep beating that drum yes because a lot of companies do really good works like that, but they never get highlighted. And it's probably for another conversation whether or not you need to like toot your own horn when you do charitable work. Yes. Right? <laughs> but in this case, they clearly need to to remind people hey, we're not just some big faceless corporation that has, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. You know, we are actually trying to enrich people's lives with that money. And Mm -hmm. I think you can also look to the top of Microsoft as a whole and look at somebody like Bill Gates, who I believe is the third largest contributor to charitable efforts around the world underneath the UK's government and then the United States government in the number one position. That alone to me goes, well, hopefully that trickle down effect of like Xbox and Microsoft as a whole, trying to make the world a little bit better, you know, as it goes. Obviously big corporations always going to be problematic in some ways, but I just had never seen something like this (laughs) out in the wild and be like, this is why we
1: should be able to do this thing. Yeah, because a lot of people, a lot of people, including Sony, are like, no, 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 no. And I think it's interesting because we know just kind of going back to the games, we've seen kind of it going back and forth. Is Call of Duty going to remain on PlayStation for how long? We've heard three years. And Microsoft is kind of like, well, we can have games everywhere. So I think it'll be interesting to see if the acquisition goes through with all of the Activision Blizzard games. It can go one of two directions. One, it can go the Minecraft platform, where Minecraft is still available on a ton of different platforms. All of the platforms. All of them still supported by Microsoft. Or it can go in the Bethesda route, where... They are clearly like going to make these next new games console and Xbox specific, like Starfield. I still can't believe that's going to be the first new big Bethesda RPG that I won't be playing on my PS, my PlayStation. It's very weird to me, but that's why I have a PC for it. So I'm very, very excited in that respect. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see down if this goes through down the line, what happens with games.
0: Have a feeling it's gonna go through. Phil Spencer said that he feels good about the progress. He did note that he's never done a $70 billion deal. So I don't know what my confidence means. I will say the discussions we've been having seem positive. Really, Phil, that's all you can say. So uh.
1: I just love how, like, when the Bethesda deal came out, everyone's like, wow, $8 billion. That's so much. And now it's just like, hold my beer. Yeah. Like, exactly.
0: I think that. It's going to be a process to get this done. I remember at the beginning of the year when this was announced, we were all like, oh, it'll be done, no problem. And here we are already. It's October and it's still not done. And I imagine there's got to be a little bit of uncertainty from the developers who are within the umbrella of Activision Blizzard going so... uh is this uh not is this not happening or is it happening? What's the what's the plan here, guys? Mm-hmm. But we of course will keep you guys up to date on any developments that we get. In case you missed it, Bayonetta in the upcoming Bayonetta 3 is not being voiced by her previous actress, Helena Taylor. In fact, she's been replaced by the legendary Jennifer Hale. So according to the developers at Platinum, various overlapping circumstances made it difficult for Helena Taylor to reprise her role. We held auditions to cast the new voice of Bayonetta and offered the role to Jennifer Hale, whom we felt was a good match for the character. When I read this, I was like, how on earth is Jennifer Hale still doing auditions? She is... (laughs) <laughs> a true legend. And we had the pleasure of getting her on What's Good Games a while back. And she's been a personal favorite of mine because y'all know that I am in love with them, Shep. I got her to autograph this amazing oh. lithograph from Mass Effect 3 back at PAX. It was one of the highlights of my career getting to interview her and having her autograph something. And it's something I've never done in my career to bring something to have somebody autograph mm-hmm. because it's considered wholly unprofessional and not fangirling is something that's been, you know, tough and very select points of my career. But I was like, listen, this is like literally like a once in a lifetime thing. So after we were done with the interview and, you know, we were just kind of small talking and she was getting ready to go to her next appointment, I said, if you have a spare moment, could you please head this thing for me? And she was amazing and wonderful and of course was like, yes, absolutely. And she was great. So So I am not bothered by this. Clearly, there are people on the internet that are very mad about it, but I trust that she's going to crush this.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think it's like with the internet, Stay away from speculation. We have no idea what's going on in anybody's lives that can make this decision. Hopefully, everyone is okay. Hopefully, everything's good. And speculation can be just be so tumultuous. But yeah, like you mean about why? About why? Yes, yeah. Helena is no longer doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would say stick to the positives. Jennifer Hale is a fantastic voice actress. I already heard her a little bit in the original trailer, and I was like, that's Jennifer Hale because her voice. You once you've like if you, yeah once you played enough games with Jennifer Hale in them, like she's Pepper Potts in the Iron Man VR game but all I hear is Jennifer Hale I'm yes. like I love you but i I just see you which is great because she looks like Pepper Potts but yeah I think you know what Bayonetta 3 is going to be super fun yes it's a voice change but I say, let's keep on trucking, moving on. And she's she's fantastic. She's going to deliver a fantastic performance as well.
0: Absolutely. So just, you know, have fun with the game. I'm sure it's going to be excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's all I have for the news for this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And that includes my preview of Gotham Knights. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of What's Good Games, where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events that we have been to. But before we get to that, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. It's that time again. You know me. I talk to you about HelloFresh all the time and how you can get FarmFresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. With HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, you can skip trips to the grocery store and make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Have your pumpkin spice and eat it too, everybody, with a rotating selection of fall-inspired items from the HelloFresh market. From brunch kits to fall dessert boards, you'll find everything you need for all your favorite autumn occasions, like tailgating, Oktoberfest, and more. HelloFresh is now Offering vegan recipes on the menu every week, made without any animal products of any kind like dairy, meat eggs, or honey. Enjoy meals like sweet chili tofu bowls or spicy coconut curry stir-fry. HelloFresh works with your ever-changing schedule as well. Plans are flexible. You can choose your meals for the week, update your preferences, or change your delivery day all in the HelloFresh app. Just last night, you guys, I made the creamy dill pork tenderloin with couscous and green beans and discovered that my baby is now super into couscous. Did she get it all over the floor as well as her face and in her mouth? She sure did. And her spoon skills could probably use a little work, but she had fun. I love being able to get her to try new things from the recipes in our HelloFresh box every week because it means that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to plan it. They do it all for me. It's all just right there in the box, ready to go. If you guys want to try America's number one meal kit for yourself and support WGG, go to HelloFresh.com What'sGood65 and use code What'sGood65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash good 65 and use code What'sGood65 for 65% off, plus free shipping, and so they know that What's Good game sent you, Emily, I'm so glad that you are here on the show to talk about Cyberpunk and Splatoon. Yes. So let's talk about these before I dive into Gotham Knights because it's kind of gonna be a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. So... What would you like to talk about first? I'll talk about cyberpunk. Okay. Because you're just, one of the people that are like in the charts so going crazy for the resurgence. Gosh
1: darn it. If, <laughs> Edge <laughs> Runners is so good. It does such a good job of showing you locations from the game and utilizing sound effects and sound cues and music from the game that I was watching Edge Runners and it's. I was like, I've seen people online, like Paris talking about it, like, oh, Edge Runners is so good. It got me playing cyberpunk again. And I'm like, oh, maybe it will. And then as soon as I finished it, I was like, man, I need to go play cyberpunk. I did, and it's... Download the update file. Cyberpunk has turned into one of my comfort games. I think it's not a perfect RPG, but it is a very fun one. I love running around in the world. I love customizing my V. I love finding different quests that maybe I haven't found before. And I love trying new choices and exploring stories. So for me, especially during this time where as a games journalist, we are just being like, this is review-a-palooza, as we're calling it X-Play, like October through December is just non-stop with game releases and so for me, I love having a game that I'm like, it's my touchstone, it's where I can go to it's like my wind-down game of the night, do a little side quest, run around, maybe buy a new outfit, I love customizing my outfit in Cyberpunk it's my favorite my Girl, favorite part. we could talk about a fashion show and video games all day <laughs> <laughs> and it also has like I'm also a huge Watch Dogs fan and I love just the ability to hack into, I really invested a lot in hacking this run. And so I now have a wait, really... Wait, 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 yes. How many
0: runs have you done? Three. Okay, yeah. impressive.
1: So I, I do lean towards Corpo because it is the storyline that I like the most, especially because it has you know Jackie from the get-go instead of the other two ones, I believe Street Kid and Nomad, have you meet Jackie. We're in Corpo. You're already friends with Jackie and I really, really like that backstory. For my V, Jackie was the one that got away. Like, Aww. we could have had something, mm. but you know what? We were at wrong yeah. time, wrong place. Yeah, I'm super happy he's good with Misty. I love that for him. And then I date River. (laughs) but um, I have no idea who any of these people are because I still haven't started my playthrough. (laughs) It's all good. You will know soon enough. But yeah, like I love hacking. And so I build out AV with really, really adept intellect. And so I can really enhance my engineering and my hacking. And I have like abilities where I can create cyber psychos. (laughs) So basically I can go into an area from a a long distance, just scan them, turn an enemy on his brethren, and then just watch and just be like, great, I'll go loot after they're done. I know for a lot of people they love running and gunning in games and that's what I think is so much fun about like Watch Dogs and Cyberpunk. It's like, it's got those technical kind of from a distance elements, those super stealth elements if you're like me, have fun playing with or you can just go in there and really, really build a V who's very, very melee heavy, who's got crazy like mantis arm blade limbs or is just like a gun fiend and so it's, it's my comfort game right now. Edge Runners got me back on the Cyberpunk course and I'm really curious to see what they do with that DLC next year so I am saving a save That's about midway through the game that I will go back to for when that DLC comes out. Because
0: that DLC is placed in the middle of the story, mm-hmm. right? They mm-hmm. confirm that you don't have to finish the no. main quest in order to play it.
1: Yes, which would be, it would be very interesting story-wise if you had to finish the game or you had to finish the main quest for that DLC to play out. And it's really exciting. Keanu Reeves is doing the voice again. I, oh, yes, they confirmed Johnny Silverhand is back. Part of me is wondering if these were lines that they just already had him do in the session and then they've just been saving for the DLC just to kind of get him I would
0: imagine. would it- imagine. Once. Yes. Yeah. Though they have the money that they could hire him again, just call him back, call up Keanu
1: again, and yeah, that's going to focus much more around kind of like the United States government in the cyberpunk universe, which is also very interesting. And if you're, if like you watch Edge Runners, I've seen a lot of people say like, I want to play in a cyberpunk RPG game online. Check out our Talasorian games. They do The Witcher RPG, and they do Cyberpunk Red, which is the new version of the cyberpunk RPG. You don't just have to do D and D. You can invest in the actual cyberpunk book. It's really, really good. Our talisorian games has done a lot of care i love their witcher system and i know that a lot of people have had a lot of fun with their cyberpunk red system
0: interesting i have been meaning to it it's been on my list i've talked about it how i want to play now that the new console version is out and it's just one of those like man just added to the Mm -hmm. backlog pile of stuff that i've got to play but All I hear is wonderful things about all of the improvements that they've made to the game because I was not like you. I really had a hard time on both consoles. So my experience was I started on Xbox Series X, Mm -hmm. too broken to play. Started on PlayStation 5, too broken to play. And I bought that like with my own money. And then I was like, okay, let's try Stadia. Why not? Also just had no success Mm -hmm. in playing the game. So I said, you know what? I'm banging my head against a wall. I'm just going to stop playing for a little bit. And, you know, I'll go back to it eventually. And now everyone's like, it's time to go back. Go back now. I'm like, okay, but now I'm playing Dreamlight Valley. So I'm kind of screwed. (laughs) Which is also so
1: good. That's the game I need to get better about keeping up on. But I put it on my PC. I'm a fool. I should have put it on my Switch.
0: Well, (laughs) there is cross-progression, so I'm playing on Game Pass because I wanted it for free. Yep, I have it on Game Pass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Despite the fact that my husband worked on this game, yes, take a shot. Um, (laughs) We're not talking about Dreamlight Valley, but my goal is to eventually move my save onto Switch once the full version comes out later on. Very excited. Yes, but I'm glad that you're having a great Mm -hmm. time in Cyberpunk. And of course, Splatoon 3 has been out for a couple of weeks now, and we had Janet Garcia on to talk about it. She's very big into Splatoon she talked about the last Splatfest which was Gear, Grub and Fun.
1: Which one did you go with? I went with Grub. I've trusted That's what I would have picked. I have trusted my friend to lead me to victory on the last two Splatfests and I have been on the losing team on like the righteously losing team both times. So who times. won the Splatfest? Uh Gear did. Oh, uh, well, Just as know. they did Team Rock. I see Gear's you all. <laughs> I see you all. I was Team Paper the first one because I love Big Man. Big Man is the big stingray. My favorite character to sign. I love him. He's beautiful. And and then I was like, okay, on a abandoned island, I'm not going to be team fun. I'm going to be team either. Something realistic. Yeah. So I was like, oh, a lot of people were going gear. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be grub. I'm going to be grub. And yeah, just the squad that I teamed up with over Discord, and we played for like three hours on that first Friday night of the Splatfest. Great. We killed it. We even like customized our victory poses to all be the same exact one. So it was just one app. We were so coordinated. Nice. Um, it was great. and I. But I think there was... I tried to play a little bit on Saturday. I know with this specific Splatfest, there was a little bit of kind of tumultuous. Oh. There was a little tumultuous because... Ooh, I didn't hear there was drama. Well, in the in the world premiere Splatfest we got before the Splatoon 3 launch, which was Rock, Paper, Scissors, there was a lot of Tricolor Turf Wars, which is the new advancement to the series. Now that the Splatfest teams are kind of split into three instead of two, these Tricolor Turf Wars are really, really creative. Basically, you have the team that is currently in the lead at the halftime versus two people from the other team and two people from the third team team. And it's just an all-out color war. And that's where you can really start to reclaim ground again for your team. And it's really, really creative, and it's really, really cool. But I kept seeing online and I kept experiencing for myself So many people were having a hard time finding Tricolor Turf Wars. I was in lobbies for Tricolor Turf Wars in this current Splatfest, and it kept throwing me into normal battles. And that was a little bit frustrating because there were so many during the world premiere. Nintendo did say that they were releasing a patch that was going to like limit them, but I don't think anyone understood to how much.
0: Interesting. I wonder if they did that intentionally to prevent people from
1: spamming them to try to alter the standings. I think they're still trying to find find the middle ground because this is like I said this is new this is a brand new advancement for the Splatoon series kind of like how Salmon Run was in Splatoon 2 Salmon Run kind of changed the Splatoon game so I can see that it's like there's a few things you need to kind of fix and adjust here and there just to make it the best it can be but Splatoon 3 is the best Splatoon we've gotten so far oh my gosh I love this game
0: I had a really great time when I played Splatoon 2 and it's again (laughs) one of the games that I want to spend more time with because it's such a a wholesome, like joyful game and it's so innovative and unique in the mechanics and the way that the ink is and it feels so satisfying when you're like spraying your ink everywhere
1: and it can get really competitive. Oh yes, I curse like a sailor in my house when playing <laughs> Splatoon 3 and it's so great because like you said, yeah, it depends Like regardless of your skill level, just the Splatoon series is so welcoming because you can either be one of these people who in multiplayer kind of team battle games, you're really, really good at going out and taking out other players or like a big part of the match that like helps you win is covering the map with ink. Like that is the determining factor Of who wins. So you can be someone who's really good at taking out the other team players, or if you're like someone who's like, I don't know if I'm good at like fighting people or just being really quick, you can just be in charge of just covering the entire arena, and you're good. It just appeals to so many different types of players, which is why I love it, and I'm very good at it.
0: I love it when people (laughs) love things. That's just wonderful. I realized while we're talking about people loving things that we didn't ever explain why there is this adorable little stuffed animal sitting in you on the desk here. It's dog meat. It's dog meat. I was like, you know, we never talked about why we put dog meat on the desk.
1: (laughs) We didn't. So, um, October 7th marks the 25th anniversary of the Fallout series. I honestly can't believe it. It's hard to imagine that the Fallout series, it's hard to imagine that the Assassin's Creed series has been around for 15 years. Yes. It's even harder to believe that Fallout has been around for 25, but it has 1997. Bethesda, you old. Bethesda and Interplay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Just, oh man. And it's just seen, it's such an interesting series that has just evolved so much and has caused like there's people who who love interplay there's people who love Bethesda I'm someone who just loves this creative, weird, atomic age, aesthetic, post-nuclear apocalyptic world. And it's just wild that it's 25 years. And yeah, Bethesda is doing a lot of fun stuff to celebrate. I believe Fallout 76 is free to play for the next week. If you want to give Fallout 76 a try, if you're a Fallout fan, you'll like it. If you're looking for a multiplayer game, it may not be your cup of tea. But yeah, Dogmeat from Fallout 4. I love these games. I think they're so creative and fun. Todd Howard earlier this year, I think just a few weeks ago, (laughs) has confirmed Fallout 5 is in the very early stages of development development put it in God, texas don't talk to me about fallout 5 you need to talk to me about elder scrolls 6 first yes. too. okay okay <laughs> That was, that's first. That's first. Oh, right. 100%. Like, no offense, Fallout stands, but. We've got a lot. We got four and then we got 76. And then you got the mobile game too, which yes, is really Shelter, good. Which Shelter, which is very good. So we haven't had
0: anything since Skyrim. I know that they released it on 17,000 different platforms over the last 10 years. Yes. But I, I need more Elder Scrolls other than this random teaser that they gave us at Bethesda Land, which was like four
1: years ago now. hmm we need we need some and he promised Todd promised at he said we wouldn't start getting information about new Elder Scrolls until the next generation of consoles so it's been two years now it's been Todd. two years Todd won't you get Starfield
0: Starfield's coming out you know in like what six months mm-hmm. five months whatever it is don't make us wait until next E three please no
1: no 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 we're probably gonna have to though aren't we maybe Game Awards nah, I think Game not. Game Awards will get Starfield's release date wait didn't e- they announce the release date no there's no current release date for Starfield. It was just in the here's the games coming out within one year showcase for Xbox. So the current speculation, my current speculation, is that it may release in May. However, I could see Todd really, really wanting to stick that November release date. He loves having his November games, aka Fallout. His Fallout games and Skyrim came out in November. But yeah, so that's kind of that's and also too. If you watch this, this is I'm such a nerd. Well, I thought for sure they would talked about maybe in the release date. There was a date in the Starfield gameplay that said like like May 10th, 20-something-something. Something. It was the date it was in the universe. So my speculation was, was ah. that a little nod to the release date? Maybe, maybe not. But that's when that's when Zelda's coming out. Yeah. So I, like I said, Ugh. I could see Todd releasing it in May or June, or I could see him holding it until November. Please don't.
0: Please don't <laughs> hold give, it till Give November. me all the planets. I'm so excited Go for this Go roll and release it in January, you coward. Just Ooh. do it. Calling you out, Todd. From Andrea <laughs> Renee to you, release the game, please. Thanks. And then we can start on Elvis love Girls. Love you. But I love that you are such a big fan. The last time we had you on the show, mm-hmm. you gushed about Starfield and how
1: excited you were because we got that big gameplay trailer. Oh yeah, uh, from Summer Game Fest. And uh, on my Twitter, I am such a I'm such <laughs> a Bethesda fiend. I have broken down the set shots of the fallout tv show from amazon and i have listed speculations of what i think the plot is how i think the show will go what we know about the world so far uh feel free to check it out I did not know
0: I missed that. Now I must go and check out. Brittany commented
1: on it and Brittany's like, okay, guess what? We're having you on when the show
0: comes out. Yes, 100% (laughs) we need to do like a watch along or
1: something. I'm so excited.
0: I love that there's so many video game properties that are being made into series. It's taken a long time. And as Brittany will attest, not all of them are great. Mm -hmm. Resident Evil looking at you. But there are a lot of really cool projects in development and we just got that big look at the last of us coming oh. from hbo
1: mm. <sighs> i think we're gonna get that release date too at the game awards that would make sense i think to we're me. gonna get the show air date yeah that, i think we're gonna get that feels this is my prediction we're gonna get like a clip jeff our good friend jeff's gonna come on stage and be like and now we have a special surprise for you all <laughs> here's a clip From HBO's upcoming series *The Last of Us*, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh!" And then it's gonna be, it's gonna be the prologue. It's gonna be with Joel and his daughter. It's probably gonna be the couch scene. They don't, or maybe it may be in them in the truck. And the scene ends right when they encounter the first kind of zombie and that kind of that chaotic moment in that prologue. And then you're just gonna see the date. Flash at the Game Awards. That's my prediction. That's a good prediction. (laughs) I like it. That feels... That's how I would do it. That feels
0: like it could be a really good moment. And also, like, HBO would be smart to use the Game Awards Mm -hmm. as a delivery vehicle for that. Because that's the get-hype crowd for Mm -hmm. this show. Clearly, people who... Subscribe to HBO Max or are going to stumble upon the show even if they've never heard of the game because you know this type of post-apocalyptic thing is popular but I mean you want you know the internet hype I like it I like it well maybe we'll have to have you back for our Game Awards <laughs> prediction show and we can uh, we can all have our, our as Tim Getty says our get hype Gatorade
1: moment
0: <laughs> for, uh, for the Game Awards this year but now I would like to talk about my meaty time mm-hmm. with Gotham Knights so last week Warner Brothers invited me to come to their studio and play Gotham Knights. I got around three hours of time with a game. I was playing a build on PC, but was playing with controller because y'all know I love my dual sticks. And I left thinking dang that game was fun I can't wait to play more but obviously I have more precise thoughts about it than that so let me pull up my notes here it was a good girl and took actual notes I even wrote a little like script about some of my thoughts So I also have a bunch of gameplay that I'm going to show you guys and this is all capture from my playthrough if you want to check out trailers you can do so obviously on the internet they are available but I had the opportunity to play the beginning of the game they let us do a little bit of a tutorial they then fast tracked us a little bit further into the game so we could experience some higher level combat. I'm going to try to keep this as spoiler free as possible Mm -hmm. and know that I'm not intentionally giving any spoilers. There will inevitably be a few light, very light story spoilers in some of the gameplay that I'm going to be showing. So if you want to go in completely blind, then you might want to just skip past this section using our handy timestamps in the show notes. But if you're like, I want to see it, then stick around, friends. (laughs) Okay, so let me pull up my gameplay for y'all. So Emily, did you play the Arkham series when it came out?
1: I played Arkham Asylum and then I've watched playthroughs of Arkham Knight.
0: Okay, so you never played the full trilogy?
1: No, I just played the first, but I loved it.
0: Okay, so were you a fan of the very moody Batman stylings? Was it the combat that you liked? Like When you think back to your time with Arkham Asylum, what was the thing that you're like, I really enjoyed that part of
1: it? I think for me, it definitely was kind of just the interpretation of the Batman characters. What's what I look for? I love, love comics. And so my favorite thing to look for in in any kind of medium, film, animation, TV, video games is how does this team or how does this crew interpret these characters and present these characters? Harley Quinn has had such a fun evolution across all these games. I love all her different (laughs) costumes. She's great. And yeah, I mean, I felt like it was such a great, is a game that made me feel like Batman, which like check off the list. The game did its job. And I know that it's it's garnered such a wonderful kind of like love and fandom over the years and rightfully so. And I remember when I saw the announcement for Gotham Knights, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so much fun. It's four different characters. They've had to build a world for four different play styles, four different types of fight styles and kind of exploration styles. And then I was hoping too, like, part of me is crossing my fingers that I mean, this first thing I thought was down the line. Oh, are we going to get like Cassandra Cain? Are we going to get the other kind of like kind of more distant members of the Bat family? Maybe as DLC. Mm, Who knows? Who knows? But I'm so excited about this game. I'm so excited to hear your thoughts about it.
0: So for people who have not been following the coverage of this game, it is single player, but you can also play in two-player co-op. There are four heroes to choose from. They include Batgirl, Red Hood, Nightwing, and Robin. And here's a little bit of gameplay for you if you want to check this out at youtube.com slash games. I also have some full gameplay clips posted there as well if you guys want to check those out. What I really like about what I've played so far is that these characters all feel really different out in the world. And what I mean by that is the combat between each of them feels really different from what I've played. I want to make the caveat, of course, that I've only played a couple hours of this game. Is it fully possible that after playing five to ten hours of this game that it's going to start to feel a little monotonous or a little samey or some of the AI enemies are going to feel like oh, I've done this, been there, done that. Yeah, that's fully possible. But what I have played was really fun. So I spent the majority of my time between Batgirl and Red Hood. So I wanted to obviously check out Batgirl because, you know lady bat with the cape Mm, so fun but i wanted to do my due diligence and try one of the dudes and so i tried out red hood because i really wanted to pick a character who felt different Mm -hmm. than batgirl because having played the dlc for some of the later arkham games we got to play with you know robin and nightwing and those and they absolutely had like more of an acrobatic kind of vibe very similar to batgirl whereas red hood is you know more tanky more weighty kind of feels more like the bruiser of the group mm-hmm. which is really interesting because his backstory and i'm not going to go like deep into his lore because this is not that podcast but here's a little bit of one of the cutscenes that he is in but he died he was killed <laughs> when he was robin he was killed by joker and he is resurrected by mystical powers and he comes back as Red Hood and because of everything that he's been through it really changes how he interacts with the other characters because turns out being dead and coming back is stressful and traumatic yeah not the
1: biggest Batman fan no
0: He has very specific thoughts about Batman, which he will tell you about. And that to me is what was interesting about my demo is kind of getting a glimpse into how these characters are going to interact with each other. Now, I made the comment on Twitter that they felt a little bit more angsty teen Mm -hmm. than I wanted. And... They did. And I don't know if that's because they are just physically younger than Bruce Wayne in the lore of this game or if because they're struggling under the weight of their grief of losing Batman and losing their mentor and then being like, well, what do I do in the world? Like, where is my place? Who is the leader among us? You know who's going to like take up the cowl right and, mm-hmm. and be the person who's gonna become you know the new like dark knight of Gotham City and so I think the game is planning to explore those narratives and where that goes and in my demo time I intentionally tried to stay as far away from narrative as possible because I was like listen I'm gonna replay all of this I don't want it spoiled for me either so a lot of what you guys are gonna see in my gameplay for watching on YouTube is mostly just me doing combat and traversing around the world and I'll show you guys a little bit of co-op in just a second so one of the things that I was really interested in checking out in my preview time was the different style of moving through the world because clearly in the Arkham series, Batman's grapple hook and glide was a phenomenal way to traverse the open world. And that is back in every way. But each character has their own narrative reason for having a grapple hook and a vertical and horizontal movement through the world that isn't the glide. Of Obviously Batgirl has a cape and she can glide. Nightwing has a glider Robin has this interesting like teleportation jump and then red hood has this mystical leap which is to me super fun but you can see in my gameplay here that i am on the bat cycle and that to me was more fun <laughs> i really enjoyed the bat cycle it felt weighty it didn't feel slippery i felt like when i was steering in the world that i wasn't like kind of falling all over the place because sometimes when you're in open world games it's not fun Mm-mm. like the learning curve to get good at driving is just as bad oh, yes <laughs> And it didn't feel that way with the bad Cycle. It felt really, really great. So I'm looking forward to definitely playing more of it and really kind of seeing more of what's going on. So I do want to show a little bit of co-op. So I'll pull that up in just a second. But the thing that I thought was really fun about these four different characters is not only do they feel different traversing through the world, like I mentioned with the grapple hook, but the combat feels different because they each have their
1: own progression, their own skill tree. Ooh. And there's a big emphasis on... Ability. That's been what I've been most interested in because I think back we saw like a demo a while back where it was just Nightwing and Red Hood and Nightwing had these because he's Dick Grayson he's from the Flying Graysons he's from the Circus. Yes. I love that they implement these very much like acrobatic gymnastic elements to his combat. Like, I think in that preview from a while back, they showed him after he finished a combo, he basically did almost like a gymnastic, like, uh-huh. Like, a little yeah. flourish, which I love.
0: There's all kinds of little touches like that throughout the game. And I think that it's really interesting how you can essentially, and I'll show you guys here, you can go up to the different suits in the Belfry, which is your hub, where you can choose which character you want to be and you will take all the XP that you've gathered with the character you're currently playing. So here I'm running around as Barbara and you can say, okay, now I want to put, you know, the Nightwing suit on and become Nightwing. You'll take the XP you've earned and then you can slot those skill points into Nightwing's skill tree. But what I think is really going to be interesting to see long-term over the course of 20, 30, 40 hours of this game is how difficult is it to hot swap between the characters knowing that the skill tree really has the ability to tailor itself the further along you go and I say that because there's momentum abilities that Mm -hmm. go with your individual character skills there's gear stats there's mods that you can put into your individual gear and then on top of that you can also do training and there's just all kinds of min-maxing of numbers and stats in the RPG progression of this game which I think a lot of players are going to really love Mm -hmm. They're going to love digging into that. But I think the later and later you get into the game, you're going to find which heroes kind of fit your playstyle more. And even though there might be some tactical advantages to choosing Nightwing and a certain mission over choosing Red Hood, for example, you may just be like, whatever, I've already like specked out my character to do X, Y, and Z. Now, yeah. the difference, of course, will be for co-op players and how they're going to interact with their co-op buddy. So they did confirm to me that you can play as the same character. So if both people wanted to roll as Batgirl, they could. Or if you wanted to go all Red Hood or whatever, you could as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's cool. But I think it's really fun to be able to use some of these Skills and abilities together. So, I got the opportunity to play with Christopher McMahon, who is the lead level designer at WB Montreal on the team. And he played as Red Hood, and I was playing as Batgirl. And I'm showing you guys a little bit of the skill tree for Batgirl here. And we got to do some really fun moves together in co-op. And I think that what's really fascinating about what they're doing is that they're saying, we just want the game to be fun. That's what the dev team told me. Because I said, you know, the questions that a lot of people are going to have is, well, how does my progression work? And they said, well, whoever is the host player in the game is going to be the one whose story you're following. Oh, If the host player is further along in the story than you, we're not blocking or gating anybody from being able to play. They've created, you know, an algorithm to scale enemies to be able to make it fun for everybody is what he said. But he said, when you go back to your game and you've already completed it, the game will then give you the option to either play the mission again, or you can just proceed as if you've completed the mission. Oh, wow. I was like, ooh, I like that. It's Mm -hmm. a time saver. Yes. Obviously, for narrative reasons, it could be quite jarring if you're playing with somebody who is substantially further along than you. So I don't know if I would recommend that. But I like that they don't block you from doing certain things. At least not that I've seen. And not that he indicated when we were playing together. He said that each player is going to get their own gear drops. That is related to their personal player level. And that consumables that are picked up in the world. Like you pick up these little like health. Like I was going to say jabby things.
1: Stims? Uh, yeah like, <laughs> stim, like uh,
0: syringes or whatever. <laughs> they are um, their community thing. So If I picked them up and we were playing together, Mm -hmm. you would also pick them up as well.
1: Perfect! Yay! I love that. It seemed like they were
0: really focused on making the co-op experience fun, and I think that's a big question people have about this game: is is the co-op experience going to be fun? Because otherwise, like, what are we doing? And I really had a great time. I think with most games, playing with a friend is more fun than Mm -hmm. not playing with a friend. But I want to make sure that everybody here knows that you do not have to play this game co-op. If you just want to play this game by yourself, it's going to feel like an Arkham game. You're playing by yourself. And I think that that's a perfectly legitimate way to play, especially if you are really concerned about wanting to experience some pieces of the lore and not have it interrupted or not have some wacky things happen in combat. Let me show you guys a little bit of my co-op gameplay here. I just had such a blast going into some of these combat scenarios with a friend. And of course, I had to ask, hey, there's four heroes in this game. Why are we not doing four player co-op? Because mm-hmm. it feels like, yo, what it, four players, like, why not? He's like, so about that. <laughs> we tested it and tested it and tested it a lot. And discovered that four players is just far too chaotic in the style of combat of this game in order to be successful. And when he talked to me about that, I was like, oh, dude, that makes so much sense. Because this hand-to-hand style of combat that focuses on these combos and this sort of like teleporting to and from the enemies in a small area on the map would get really difficult if you had four human-controlled characters all in a row. It would definitely feel overpowered when you were going up against mini-bosses and things like that if you had four humans who were, like, all punching on the same AI at the Mm -hmm. same time. I imagine from, like, a technical perspective it also is probably incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to pull off, which is why they were like, hey, we want to do something where these heroes can play together, but two players was the sweet spot for us, and that's why we went with two players instead of four. And I was like, okay, bummer, but I get it. Yeah, I understand. So, in the gameplay that I'm showing now, it's me and Red Hood playing together and he's showcasing this cool duo move where Red Hood will hold an enemy And then I can come in and hit the X button on the controller and then like executes this really cool animation where we do like a dual takedown together. And I was like, ah, this is so much fun battling with friends. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of these moments in the game and how the different characters interact with each other. Yes, now that you showed that combo, I'm like, oh,
1: well, now I want to see all the different combos between all the different characters. Yes,
0: and there's so many different combinations too, especially since you can be the same characters oh man that's right yeah you could have both red hoods (laughs) and executing those (laughs) kinds of moves which i think is really interesting and i think that there's so much to explore in this game that i'm ready bring it on it looks great it feels great i know that some other people that had the opportunity to see the game this week were concerned about some monotony in the combat and were concerned about some of the ai feeling really samey and i would say I don't care. This game felt fun. You're talking to a girl that sunk hundreds of hours replaying the same Destiny Strikes. You think I really care about that? Not really, because the amount of customization in the game is bonkers. Let me see if I can pull up. I took a couple videos of me kind of cycling through some of the costume changes that you can make in
1: the game. Ooh, you're speaking my language now. I love cosmetics and outfits and Fashion games.
0: Show. <laughs> and because they were thinking through all of it, they built in a transmog system from the jump. So if you customize your individual gear because you can customize your boots, your hands, and the bat symbol mm-hmm. uh, or whatever like your the chest symbol plate. is on, on your yeah. chest piece, you can transmog it with these cool DC Comics like kind of classic looks that Ooh. are really iconic for fans of the franchise or the franchises, I guess I should say. And I think that that's a really awesome touch that they added, and because. It feels like transmog should be one of those things that's just standard
1: mm-hmm. in
0: games now, but it's not for some reason. And I'm kind of like, hey, it's 2022. Why is why are we not why are we not standard? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So. I'm in my menu here as Batgirl and you can see that there's also crafting in this game. Did I mention that? Oh, jeez. Just <laughs> add it on. It's, it's another thing that you can do. <gasps> oh, how fun. So there's all these different color schemes that you can unlock for your costumes. There's these specific types of outfits that get really wild might I add which is really cool and then oh you can see here boots gloves Mm -hmm. cowl symbol and then of course the the colorway I just like how it makes it feel personal I you know we talked about we like video game fashion Mm -hmm. shows it just makes it that much more fun to play I think
1: yeah it just immediately like you have that personal touch where like this is your Batgirl this is your Nightwing this is your Robin this is your Red Hood and through that connection the game kind of brings you into it even further and I love that I love being able to customize a character game oh my gosh when uh fought for creation club custom <laughs> vault suit color oh yes, yes. i love feel you
0: oh so we're cycling through some costumes for batgirl mm. in the gameplay that i'm showing i'm sure you can find a bunch of these online all the different things because the game is coming out in just a couple of weeks everybody which is really exciting but if you again don't want to see any of it you know stay far away but yeah overall I felt really good about it. I think that my concerns from what I played was that the tone of the game, I feel a little bit too dark and angsty for the vibe that I as a gamer are looking for right now. Mm -hmm. Because it's been a hard couple of years. And most of my (laughs) gameplay experiences that I'm gravitating towards are whimsical and fun, like Dreamlight Valley. (laughs) Um, But I think the team has really executed on staying true to the promise of what the Arkham series was, but also making something different. Mm -hmm. Giving new characters the ability to stand on their own outside of Batman. That inherently means it's going to feel different. It's going to be different. So if you approach this game thinking, I want it to feel like Batman fighting then you're thinking about it wrong.
1: You have plenty of games where you can go experience that.
0: Yes. The Arkham series is still available for you to play among many other Batman games. But I like how they're testing out different characters and we're seeing how these characters are struggling with the weight of being Gotham's protector. And they're struggling with the power dynamics among their own group about who's in charge. How do we approach all these villains? Who's responsible for what? And the evolution of those characters I think is something that is going to be really exciting to see how warner brothers is going to execute when we get the game and the progression system feels like it's just got a lot there a lot of meat for people to dig into and i hope it feels like there are meaningful choices when we get to the end game but Mm -hmm. we're not going to know that until the game comes out again that's why this is a preview that means the game's not out anyway i've talked enough about gotham knights thank you again to warner brothers for inviting me out to play can't wait to play more it's going to be fun. I'm excited. So, who do you think you're going to main in Gotham Knights? Batgirl. Yeah. I'm, I,
1: well, a cape, right? It's a cape. It's a cape. It's a lady. I gravitate towards the lady characters. I love her. I love her. And think Barbara Gordon has such a cool story. I think in this one, too, I from what uh, one of my other producers was telling me, she's post oracle. Yes. Batgirl, she which is. is a very unique take on the character. And so that's what I'm most excited about. Like I'm not a Batman Lexicon, but like I love the animated series back in the 90s. I've loved the films. I've dabbled in the comics, but that's what I'm really excited to explore. And just like yeah, roam around this really really creative world, all the environments, the environmental storytelling from like the clips you were showing, that's what's getting me really excited for this game too. And also just the mystery. Is Batman really dead? Is he dead? We keep saying he's dead. Yes. Mm. No, there's they were very um, they were clear. <laughs> The preview
0: event they're like to be clear please batman is dead (laughs) please he's dead stop asking us if he's not dead he's fucking dead (laughs) they didn't say that i'm paraphrasing they're like he's dead he's just truly just dead he's dead did i say he's dead everybody
1: batman is dead batman is dead (laughs) (laughs) he
0: does show up in the tutorial like augmented reality space which is a nice little nod to be like oh daddy we miss you but he's dead everybody he's dead
1: he's not coming back
0: (laughs) So put your speculation aside. (laughs) At least not in this game. He's not coming back. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Emily, we didn't even get to talk about some of the cool stuff that you're working on. Oh shoot, yeah. But thank you so much for coming by the show. If people want to follow your work and check out what's going over on
1: X Play, where Mm -hmm. should they do that? Well, you can follow me at Twitter at Frankly underscore Emily. That's where I post a lot of things I'm doing. I share a lot of my VODs. I give teases to a lot of projects I'm working on. And I also share, I'm on a Mass Effect Tabletop RPG podcast called Adventum, so feel free to check that out. If you're interested in some Tabletop RPG podcast, and you love Mass Effect. But yeah, and also go check out Gerard the Completionist channel. I was the co creator and one of the writers and producers on God of Work. Yay! Yay! Which is essentially like a parody, office-style parody show that is, what do video game characters do in between releases? Well, they take temp jobs. That's in the form of meal delivery services. That's in the form of office work. You name it. It's so so
0: silly in the best way.
1: It was such a joy to work on, and we've got some stuff in mind for a potential season two. Oh! So, if you want to check out your... Season li- two, you say? Mm-hmm. if uh, so Yeah, if you want to see season two... Please go check it out on Gerard the Completionist channel if you haven't already. And of course, like Andrea said, I am a creative producer on XPlay. We got a bunch of really cool XPlay projects coming down the line, nonstop. Go check out youtube.com/slash XPlay. I just did a whole. We revisited all the Assassin's Creed games, including all the mobile ones. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's an effort. <laughs> I made. didn't realize how many mobile <laughs> games there were. And we've got a fun Fallout anniversary vod coming out. We've got a lot of good stuff in the works. Some Ghostbusters stuff coming down the line. will be it's really, really like fun.
0: Y'all are. Doing doing some
1: cool video game shit over there. We
0: are it's wonderful thanks well congrats on a successful launch of your series and as she mentioned you can follow her we'll put those links down in the show notes for you guys enjoy the rest of your week or weekend whenever you're listening to the show and shout out to everybody who are my end of podcast homies I appreciate everybody who has sent me messages being like Andrea I'm here at the end of the podcast I heart you bye everybody we'll see you next time